So what's happened? The Lord has told the Israelites over and over and over and over in the whole process, listen, if you serve me, if you stay with me, if you follow me, there will be tremendous blessings that you can't even wrap your head around. But if you turn away from me, there will be curse and destruction. It's your choice. Take your pick. Curse and destruction or life and blessings. It's 100% your choice. So the Lord's made it clear, and now the moment comes again. (laughs) They've done this so many times through the 40 years. But now all of the grumblers are dead. It's time to move into the promised land, and now they're doing it again. So they open the door for death and destruction to come inside, okay? That's exactly what the Lord said would happen. And so in this moment, the anger of the Lord is kindled against them. They've opened a door of curse and destruction. What that means is that now there's a plague running rampant through the house of Israel. This plague is killing people by the thousands, left and right, falling, bam, 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 bam. It gets up to 24,000 people dead by plague because of the door that's been opened by commingling with the devil. So the anger of the Lord is there. He's talking to Moses. The house of Israel comes together and they lay down and they worship and they repent and they cry and they're seeking God. And the Lord says, this is what you do. I want to publicly execute all of those who have yoked themselves with Baal. Say, whoa, this is serious business. I know it's hard for us to wrap our heads around in today, but this is majorly serious business. This is changing the future of eternity in these moments. And the Lord says, I want to publicly execute all of these people. And so as the Lord's proclaiming what's supposed to happen next, One of the Israelite men who has yoked himself with Baal, he goes and he leaves his tent and he grabs one of the ladies from Midian and he brings her back to the tent in the sight, in the presence of all of Israel and takes her into his tent. Phineas is up at the front weeping and wailing and he sees it all happen. Phineas is one of the sons of the high priest. He grabs his spear and he leaves the assembly and he follows them into the tent and he takes his spear and he spears both of them through the stomach. And what's fascinating is in that moment, the plague stopped. As Phineas took up this righteous anger and he acted obediently to the voice of the Lord, the plague stopped. The death and destruction that was opened because of sin stopped just like that. So what we find is man in that moment had this incredible power to be used as a weapon of the enemy, to bring death and destruction to all of God's people. And also, in the same moment, man was used to rise up and to fight and to put an end to the works of the enemy. So let's continue just a a little bit. This was in uh, Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 through 8. On the way to the the scripture where we're going to talk in just a moment about taking the promised land, the Lord has this scripture about the power of men, the power of their words. And it's an interesting verse because the Lord basically says, if a woman vows, if she makes a vow, and she's not under her father's house or under her husband's house, the vow remains. Whatever she promised, whatever covenant she makes, it's like a contract in the spirit. This thing is happening. It sticks. It's official. It's real. But if she's in her father's house, And her father hears the vow, and he disagrees, and he says, no, I'm going to put my foot down. I will not accept that vow. That vow is not real for her. It says that the vow is null and void. 
Numbers 30, verse 1 through 8. This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears on oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds from his mouth. Verse 3. If a woman vows a vow to the Lord and binds herself by a pledge while within her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow of, and of her pledge, but by which she has bound herself and says nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand, and every pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father opposes her on that day that he hears it, no vow of hers, no pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. And the Lord will forgive her because her father has opposed her. Isn't that interesting? And then it goes on the next verse, says the same thing for the husband. That there's, there's a, this authority that the Lord gives to man to protect those who are under his care. It's a real thing. It's like a contractual thing in the spirit of God. So the Father has given this tremendous power to men. In Numbers chapter 31, verses 1 through 12, the Lord speaks to Moses. He says, Now avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. And so Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm men from among you for the war, that they may go against Midian, execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian, and you shall send a thousand from each of the tribes of Israel to the war. Okay? So... The context here is all of the, the people in the desert have passed away. It's the new generation. Now they're getting to take uh, the promised land by force. They've just done a census to see how many men are in Israel. And they found out in Numbers 26, verses 51, that there are 601, 730 men in Israel. 600,000, <laughs> okay? There's a lot, 600,000 men in Israel. And most scholars believe that there's probably a couple million people all together with Israel, with women and children. So Oklahoma City is 1.2 million, if you include all of the cities. Oklahoma City is one of the largest cities by landmass in America. Like one of the top three, I think. It's huge. So just imagine the amount of people. We're talking 2 million people. This is like a major U.S. city roaming about in the desert, okay? Tons of people out here. And now it's time to take the land and to, and, and to take their promise. And so the Lord says, okay, it's time to rise up. Let's go. And what's fascinating to me is in this moment, the Lord has 601,000 men that he could call on to rise up and go fight and take the land, but he doesn't use all of them. He only chooses 1,000 from each tribe. Isn't that curious? He chooses 1,000 from each tribe. He only chooses 12,000 men total to rise up and fight. If you do the math, we're talking 2% of the men of Israel were chosen, selected to go and fight and to take the land, to have this first battle with Midian. 2%. I don't fully understand why the Lord did it that way, but they go out and they fight and they have tremendous victory. They, they just conquer everything that they're trying to do. They defeat all of their enemies and they bring back this tremendous plunder. I think it's fascinating that the Lord used the 2% to radically and practically advance the kingdom of God on the earth. Because I think if you look at the Christian landscape in America today or even across the globe, probably we're sitting somewhere relatively close to the same type of numbers as far as people in the kingdom of God who believe in Jesus and who will be in heaven for eternity 
versus the ones who are yielded and wholeheartedly surrendered to the Lord and saying, God, my life is yours. Do whatever you want with me. Send me wherever you will. I will risk my life to practically advance your kingdom with whatever your dreams are, whatever your plans are. Pick me, I'll go. You're probably looking around the same 2%. So, they send them out. They have tremendous victory. They bring back all of this plunder, all of this reward, all of this treasure. So they bring back 675,000 sheep. They bring back 72,000 cattle. They bring back 61,000 donkeys and 32,000 slaves. Does anybody uh, have cattle or do any ranching in the room? Okay. So last year, I sold a piece of property. It was like 24 acres. It took a long time to walk across. I mean, it took a long time to fly across with a drone, right? It's not huge. It's 24 acres. I know cattle ranchers have thousands and thousands of acres. But the guy who bought it, he bought it so he could have cattle because he had the land next door, and he was going to let his cattle roam over here. So this 24 acres of land could only hold like 15 cows. So they bring back this reward of 72,000 cattle. Can you imagine how much land was needed just to keep the cows alive? And they bring back this tremendous reward. And then the Lord speaks to them, and he says to them in Numbers 31, this is how we're going to divide the rewards, the, the spoils of war. The 2% who rose up and fought on my behalf and risked their lives to do the thing I wanted to do practically on the earth, to advance my kingdom on the earth, that 2% receives half of all the reward. And then the other half, the other 98%, they get to take home half of the reward as well. So practically speaking, the fighters receive 337, 500,000 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, 16,000 slaves, and the 98% receive the same. That means that the 12,000 warriors inherited 28 sheep each, they each got three cattle, and they each got two and a half donkeys and 1.3 slaves. <laughs> okay? So they got to take home something significant. But the other 98%, every person, all of the men, received 1.7 sheep. And then the cattle, it was one out of every 17 men received a cattle, a cow. And then one out of every 20 got a donkey. And then one out of every 50 got a slave. Okay? Kind of going deep in the woods here, but track with me. Here's what I want to point out. The people who were committed to the Lord, specifically the men since it's Father's Day, but ladies, it's okay, you can take this too. The ones who are committed to the Lord and said, God, I will risk my life for you. Whatever you've called me to, whatever you want to do on the earth, pick me, use me, I will go. Those people ended up with 16 times the reward of sheep. They ended up with 50 times more cattle and 65 times more slaves than those who did not rise up and fight. I believe that the heart of every person in the room is to be a part of the 2%. And if it's not, I proclaim it. I speak it into existence in Jesus' name. That you are a part of the 2%. The Lord wants everybody in the whole globe 
to be a part of the 2%. That's his desire. The door is wide open for every single person to receive those types of rewards. I believe these principles and what's being spoken about the reward of those who rise up and fight to advance the kingdom of God 100% apply to today. That those of you in the room who say, God, pick me, I will go. Whatever your dream is for my life, I say yes. There is tremendous amounts of reward for you in the kingdom of heaven and on the earth as you obey the Lord. And if you're not there yet, the door's open. Just walk into it. It's not that hard, okay? So then a couple chapters later, Numbers 33, verses 52. It says, when you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out, say drive out, all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones, say destroy, all their metal images and demolish, say demolish, all their high places and you shall take possession, say take possession of the land and settle in it, say settle in it. For I have given the land to you to possess and you shall inherit the land, say inherit, by lot according to your clans. So this is the strategy of advancing the kingdom of God practically through Israel as they took the promised land. Who owns the earth and everything in it? He owns it all. So if the Lord wants to take land today in the earth, who already owns it? So if he already owns it, but somebody else is there and you have to drive something out, that person legally would be a squatter. That person legally has no rights to be where they are because they're not the owner of the land. So when the Lord calls you to push something forward in the kingdom of God and he says, hey, this is your destiny. This is what I've called you to do. This is who I made you to be. Now move forward and drive out the squatters in the land who have no ownership of that place. You have been given authority by God to move forward in that thing and to drive out the squatters. And what happens when the authority shows up to a, to a piece of property where squatters have no authority to be, what do the squatters do? They just flee. They run because they know they have no authority there. Right? So the Lord's called you to take up your authority and to drive out whatever the enemy is there, whether it's the spirit or whether it's a thing in the natural, to drive it out and to take possession of the land that the Lord's given to you. Then he says to destroy. So you drive out the squatters and now there's junk. There's stuff that's not honoring to the Lord. And so you need to throw that stuff away, destroy it. And if there's anything left that is really dishonoring to the Lord, it's worshiping something else, demolish those things completely. Get rid of them completely so that you can begin to worship the Lord there. Then it says to take possession of that place. There's a difference between moving, moving into a place and driving something out, but actually taking possession. There's a big difference between the two. So the Lord says you have to drive it out first, and then you have to stay, and you have to take possession and say, this is mine. I'm going to build something here. I'm going to do something here. God's called me to this place for a purpose, and I'm going to own this place. I'm going to take possession of it. Then there's a difference of taking possession and settling. You can build something, but leave it abandoned. But God wants you to be there and to settle the land so that the enemy doesn't come back in and the squatters don't come back in and take it back. And then, only then, after you drive out, after you destroy, after you demolish, after you build something in that place, take possession and settle, then you get your inheritance. Amen? 
Inheritance in the Lord comes through the hard work of obedience. There's rewards for each of you in the room, in the kingdom of God, in heaven and on earth. There's tremendous rewards. But your rewards will come from the hard work of obedience. So let's scale it back a little bit farther. Last week, Abner talked about all that God is looking for is friends. He wants you to be his friend. He longs for you to be his friend. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your father. So you say, Grant, all that's great. Sounds cool. I'm kind of interested. Okay, but I have no idea what to do. How do I know what's my place? How do I know what's my destiny? How do I know what I'm supposed to move forward and advance and take possession of and whatever? How do I know these things? It's through friendship with God. Say, friendship with God is the key to your inheritance. So very practically, and then we're going to pray for you guys. How do you become friends with God? How do you know what the destiny is for you? I think back of all these different times in my life where, I don't know about y'all, but when I see Jesus face to face, I want him to be thrilled that I'm there. And I want him to have his arms wide open and be like, ah, you did it. I'm so proud of you. Way to go, Grant. And when I was in high school, this used to like haunt me. Not in a bad way, but just like, gosh, I don't want to get there. And I don't want to look at him and be like, you did, a, you did okay. Like, we could have done so much more if you just surrendered a little bit more, you know. And I think everybody in the room, hopefully, when you get to heaven, you want that same experience. So you get that experience by constantly surrendering and just coming to the Lord and say, God, my life is not my own. You paid, you bought my life. You paid for it all on the cross. It's literally not my own anymore. So I am only here on the earth to serve you and to do whatever you desire for me to do on the earth. What is my destiny? What is my calling? Why did you give me these specific giftings that you gave me? Why did you put me in this year? Why did you put me in this city? Why did you put me with this family? What is the destiny that you've placed inside of me from before the foundations of the earth were laid? What were the works that you promised that you created for me to do? God, what are they? Because that's where my inheritance is, and I want to get all of my inheritance. And so you'll go through these seasons of life of just total surrender. Yes, God, I give it all. And, and sometimes that includes radical obedience. Maybe you move cities or you move states or you change jobs or you change relationships or whatever it is. So you have these big spike moments, if you will. But then it also has to be the every single day obedience, you know, going back before the Lord, being his friend. You can't be his friend if you don't know his character. You can't know his character if you don't read the word of God. Because the word of God is this most amazing and beautiful place that paints the picture of what he's like and how he related to all these other people throughout history and how he speaks and what his voice is like and what he's capable of doing. When you read the word of God, you then begin to understand the character of God and then you can relate to him as he really is. Some of you guys have opened the word of God at times in different seasons, and you're like, man, I'm just not getting anything out of it. I tried. It's too boring. I don't, it's just a story. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. If that's you, and you feel like you're just not getting anything out of it, you need to surrender yourself again. Sacrifice your time and say, God, I want to know your character. 
So I'm sitting here specifically to know your ways. Reveal yourself to me. Holy Spirit, come and bring revelation into my spirit, into my mind to understand how you work. And I promise you, if you will sit down and have the right mindset and really focus on the Lord, he's going to show up. He's going to bring revelation for you through the word of God. He wants to be found. His promise is if you seek him, he will be found by you. So you got to know the word. you got to worship. Worship softens the ground. It gets the ground fertile. He can give you a seed, but if you have hard ground that's, doesn't, that's not fertile, your seed's not going to do anything. So God gives you the destiny of your life and says, here's all of your inheritance right here in this tiny seed. Take good care of it. But if you put it on hard ground, nothing's going to happen. right? So when you worship, when you're with God, when you're in the presence of God, it begins to make that ground fertile and then the seed can come to life and you can find fruit. The third thing is to journal, pray, and ask. Ask a billion questions. I started journaling when I was in eighth grade and I told you guys that story earlier and I just have journal after journal after journal of asking God questions, meditating on the word of God. In 2011, the Lord said, switch it over to my computer. So I've had the same document since the last nine years. And today there's... Almost a thousand pages, single line, 12 point font of asking God questions and God speaking answers and encouraging me and shaping me. So I have these big moments of, yes, God, it's all yours. But then the next day, you'll see another journal entry. What do you think about this? How are you feeling? And then the next day, 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 and the next day, and then again, and then the next day. And then again, and then the next day. And it's right. That is what life in the kingdom is supposed to be. And that's how you find what the Lord's created you for, and that's how you find your inheritance in the kingdom of God. And then you've got to heed the things that he speaks to you. You've got to steward those seeds really well. Um, this last week, Abner gave, raise your hand if you've got a word from Abner. Awesome. So Abner gave me a word last week. This is not to brag by any means. I just love it. Love this word. So, but I find it fascinating because the Lord's given me a seed in high school. In high school, I wanted, well, okay, hit pause. The word from last week. Abner comes over to me. He says, um, I just see an angel next to you. And I said, Lord, what's the angel about? He said, it's an angel of prosperity. And there's next to him an angel of wisdom. And the Lord wants to release to you millions of dollars, prosperity for a purpose, to change the kingdom of God. Okay, hit pause right there. High school. Uh, last week, I'm like, yes, let's go, because it's the passion of my heart. My desire for my life, whether you think this is crazy or not, is I want to serve the Lord in ministry as much as I possibly can, but also I want to have a giant machine gun of money to shoot at the walls and the gates of the devil to destroy them and change eternity for Jesus. Amen? So... That's the dream of my life. When I'm 80, 90 years old, I want to just knocking down all the walls with the finances that the Lord brings through to advance the kingdom. So in high school, what's interesting is I love business. I love ministry and I love business. In high school, my dream for my life was to own a business to, that was very successful and, and made a lot of money, to volunteer my time serving the Lord practically through ministry. 
I wanted to live in Colorado. I wanted to have a house in the mountains that had a quarter mile drag strip and then had a, a, another driveway to get back to the house that was like, that my Hummer could go on. Anyway, um, that was high school. So <laughs> move forward. And as I go through, I'm typing out my prophetic words last week. And I go through and I'm marking in purple all the words that have to do with this prosperity for a purpose type thing. There's 17 prophetic words over the last 15 years where the Lord has, like, he'll give this tiny little piece. And then the next time it's a little bit bigger. And then the next time it's a little bit bigger. And then the next time it's like as I take this tiny seed from high school and I stick it in good ground and I begin to serve the Lord and say, yes, God, whatever you want. I'll give it all away. I'll do whatever you want. I'll go anywhere you want me to do. And year after year after year after year after year after seeking God and listening to God and paying attention to him, he opens doors and he says, move this way, move this way, start this business, do this, start the church, whatever it is. And then it draws into my life that many more resources of the kingdom of God to fulfill the seed that God gave me when I was a young man. Amen? And so the more that you surrender and sacrifice to the Lord and the more that you obey and you pay attention to the seed that he gives you, the more resources will be pulled into your life to accomplish the thing that he's given to you to accomplish. Because he wants you to receive tremendous rewards in the kingdom of heaven. He loves to reward those. Hebrews eleven six 6, we talk about it a lot. But you, you, God loves to give rewards to those who diligently seek him. That's his promise. That's his word. It's a part of his character. Amen? So this morning as we wrap up, I want to pray for everybody. Let's just all stand up. You can bring the lights down some. We're going to have uh, Judy and Garland come up and pray as well. But I'm just going to pray a blessing over all of the men. So just put your hands out to receive. Father, we speak to each of the men in the room. And we speak to each of the men who are not in the room but connected to this family in some way. We speak to their hearts. We speak to the soil to become fertile in the name of Jesus. We prophetically declare fertile ground in each of their hearts in Jesus' name. We prophetically declare that each of the men connected to this house in some way want to be a part of the 2%. They want to chase after you all the days of their life. They want to find the destiny that you've given to them. And we proclaim that they are going to find their seed if they haven't found it yet. If they found it and they planted it, God, we're asking that you would water the seed. It would become a mighty and fertile seed. It would grow into a mighty oak tree, bearing tremendous fruit year after year after year after year after year as they advance the kingdom of God in the beautifully unique way that you've called them to do it. And for those who haven't found their destiny seed yet, we speak it into existence. Father, would you give it to them, drop it in their lap, stick it in their mind, stick it in their heart, and let them realize what it is and let them hold on to it. For those who received it when they were younger and they put it away and they forgot all about it, bring it back up out of the ground. Raise it back up and bring it back to life. Put it in fertile ground today that they could bear much fruit in you, that they could be a part of the 2%, advancing the kingdom of God in a mighty and powerful way on the earth for your glory and for your name. In Jesus' Jesus' name, we declare these things. Father, I'm asking every man would have a passion and a hunger to be your friend, to hear your voice, to dig deep into you. They would have no shame. They would have no discouragement. They would have no heaviness. There would be no thoughts of the devil saying that you don't have what it takes to become all that God's created you to be, but they would have everything that they need from heaven and supported by heaven to become all that you've created them to be. We proclaim it in the name of Jesus. And all the people said, amen. amen. Woo, amen. We're going to turn on some music. And listen, if you 
need a fresh touch from the Lord, specifically connected with the Father heart of God, I want them to pray for you today. Okay, so we're just going to turn up the music. Everybody else, you're dismissed. We've got some really fun stuff for the guys back in the back. Some jerky and some popcorn, some Coke, and some bad stuff for your body. It's going to be great. So you're all dismissed. But do not leave the room if you need a fresh touch of the Father's heart for you. Amen? Amen. Okay, you guys are awesome. You're amazing. I love you. Um, have a great week. <laughs>